0: Hi, I'm Rahat. Hi, I'm hospital and you're listening to Tech for Humans.
1: Welcome to a new episode of Tech for Humans. My name is Rahat, and today's guest is Andrew Hedges from the Collab Lab. Andrew, can you take a second to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm Andrew Hedges. Um, founded Collab Lab uh, last summer, and uh, I'm a, I've am a been a web developer since 1998, so I've been doing this stuff for a long time. I'm currently an engineering manager at a company called Zapier. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here to talk to you.
1: Awesome. Uh, can you give us sort of like an introduction to what the Collab Lab is and uh, maybe kind of like what your inspiration was for it?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the kind of one-sentence version of it is that Collab Lab is collaborative project practice for early career developers. So um, what happened is last summer, I uh I was getting together with um, with somebody who graduated from a a coding boot camp here in Portland, Oregon, where I live. Um, I taught at that boot camp, and I'm currently an advisor there as well. But he and I got together, and we were talking about how after he graduated, he was having a lot of trouble just kind of staying motivated to keep coding. Like he was, you know, like you know, he wasn't really like making time for it and stuff. And I was asking him sort of what would be helpful there, and he was he said that uh, you know if he had other people that were relying on him, kind of counting on him to um, you know, be contributing to something that um, that would be helpful. And um, you know I, we were just as we were chatting, I just I was thinking like there was a little app that I had built for myself a couple of times. So I like I knew, you know I built it once, but then I, I rebuilt it in a different tech stack and kind of had a really good idea of like what the requirements were. And so I was like, you know, I could scope out this little project probably, you know maybe five hours a week for about eight weeks or something, get a little team together. And if I just kind of walked you th- like helped you through that, would that be helpful and he was like yeah that sounds great so we were actually getting together right before a junior developer meetup here in portland and um i talked to a couple people there and recruited another person who was like yeah that sounds like an awesome idea um found two other people and we had our first cohort so that was back in uh july and then um, we kicked off the first cohort in august um you know i i was the the one mentor at the time and these you know four people who sort of took a chance on the thing and um, we had a great experience and Started started, uh, you know, started recruiting and um, it's kind of taken off from there.
0: Rahat and I are actually both bootcamp grads. I'm not sure about Rahat when he graduated since he did it last year, but uh, my cohort when we graduated, was February. I know quite a few were actually looking into joining the collab lab. Um, I haven't followed up with a lot of them. I think half of the cohort stopped communicating with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what happened, uh, but I know a few are actually still looking and trying to like organize time to through the cloud lab. And it's great. Um, like you mentioned how it kind of helps people be held accountable since right now there is no structure mm-hmm. after you graduate the bootcamp. There's like, you know, your coaches aren't there. Your mentors aren't there telling you what to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is great that something like this exists.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, um, it's, we have a long backlog of people trying to get in and we're like a small program and stuff. We're trying to scale it up. So, you know, if, um, we still have people that were admitting into the program who who applied back in like October. So like it's like there's like that's one thing that's kind of surprising me about the whole thing is just how how much demand there is for this. You know, everybody that I talk to, it's like, oh my God, that sounds that sounds great. You know, I like there's it's it kind of fills a gap. I think a lot of boot camps, it's tough for them to make the time just to really focus in on the collaboration skills. You know, you're there, you might have you know 12 or 16 weeks or something. And the curriculum is chock full of, you know, trying to get people up to speed on, on different languages and frameworks and you know building things and all that kind of stuff. But it's a lot of times the, the boot camps they take a, a pretty traditional education approach where it's, you know, you are, you know, you're working alone on something and you're kind of being graded on it. Maybe you do a group project here or there. Um, there are a few like there's one here called Epicodus where it's all pair programming, which is kind of innovative and stuff, but you know, it's really hard for them to fit in the things that we do, which is, um, you know, a, a big emphasis on pair programming, a big emphasis on, you know, doing code reviews for, um, for each other. Uh, so each, each pair each week is responsible for completing one story. The other pair then code reviews their, their work. Um, the mentors then code review kind of give more of like a, you know, some technical advice, but also sort of the product owner perspective, So does it meet the requirements, that kind of thing. Um, And then they have to, you know, merge, (laughs) like they have to use, like, you know, kind of figure out merge conflicts and that kind of stuff. Uh, Then each week we get together and we do a synchronous call where, um, you know, we'll do demos of the week's work. We'll do every other week, we do a retro of how things are going, what we could improve. And then we do learning modules as we go. And um, it's a, you know, it's it's tough. Like I'm saying, for a boot camp to kind of fit those those types of things in, like kind of add that structure to it. So, um, yeah, everywhere I go and talk to people about it, they they really kind of appreciate that we're teaching these skills that, um, you know, it's it's really hard to get until you're on a software team. And it's um, anyway, I could go on. I, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll leave room for questions. But uh, yeah, it's it's been really exciting just kind of the reception that we we've, we've had to it.
1: Yeah, that's. Um... I'm it's just like sort of thinking back to my own boot camp. Like we kind of had, um, like we went through the whole process of like being on teams and approving other people's requests, merging things like that, just like actually doing it. But like, I guess the, philosoph- the philosophies behind it were never actually practiced. Like we were just putting a rubber stamp of approved on everyone's merge requests. We weren't actually mm-hmm. um, thinking about like code reviews. I remember when I first started my own um, developer job, I was... First time I submitted um, a pull request, I was terrified. I was like, mm-hmm. "I don't know what's gonna happen." Um, came back with like a whole bunch of comments. I was like, "No, this has never happened before. I've never gotten a comment on the pull request I've made." Uh-huh. And like now, I kind of realized that's not good, and that's something <laughs> that really you know should have been uh, practiced a little bit more. So mm-hmm. seeing something like this in a program is really awesome.
2: Yeah, that when you when you do that for the first time, it can feel like. Like, uh, you know, the teacher is taking a red pen to your work or something, right? Yeah. Um, And what we really try to emphasize is that we are, this is not school, you know? You're, no one's being graded. What it is, is a team trying to get something done, you know? And so we try to free people up from that mindset of, like, I have to perform at a certain level where I'm going to be judged and stuff, and really just make it, I mean, make it a safe place. So what that means is, like, we've had a bunch of participants tell us that it feels safe to fail in Collab Lab, which is exactly what I want, you know? I want like, oh, I, I did this thing, it didn't work, I didn't get the thing done in time, like, you know, the merge conflict went terrible. That's fine, like, it's all a learning experience, you know? Like, the whole point is to learn and get better. And, um, you know, we'll as a team, we have eight weeks to kind of work together and we'll get as far as we can, uh, but we're gonna support each other along the way and we're gonna do our best to kind of teach each other as we go as well, so. That's the approach we try to take.
1: Awesome, and you mentioned earlier that there's like a long backlog um, of people who've applied trying to get into um, Collab Lab. Um, I guess for those folks who are kind of like uh, gotten through, what's like the application process like for them?
2: Yeah, we have a we have an application form on the website. Um, you know, it asks for things like your GitHub uh, username. Um, you know, if, if you're you a, a, little side note, but if you're an early career person and you're not on GitHub, you should get on GitHub and be active on there. It's, it, I mean, it's, it really is, it's a, it's like the place that hiring managers look to see, to get a sense of, you know, what you know and like how, how actively your code and things. There are lots of other options, GitLab and Bitbucket and different places where you can put your code that do a lot of the same things, but the default really is GitHub. I mean, everybody looks there. So, you know, all of our projects are on GitHub. They're all, um, uh, you know they're all kind of open to for people to look at, and you know you get that little contribution graph thing going, um, and, it, and it kind of you know it just it, it looks good on your profile. Anyway, so we ask for a GitHub username. You know we ask sort of what you've done so far to um, you know to kind of uh, to learn uh, you know development like web development. Um, we ask sort of uh, you know what what are you like why are you interested in in the program. Um, things like time zone and and some stuff like that too so uh you know with all that information um we do our best to sort of take people in the order that they uh that they applied so that's why we're still kind of processing people from a few months ago um because there's so many people who, who wanted to get in um i mentioned time zones and that's actually one of the things that uh like we've only been able to run cohorts sort of in north american ish time zones so far um and so there's a bunch of people around the world. There's people in um, India and South Africa and Europe and different places that it, who have, uh, wanted to get in and do this, but we haven't like it's, we haven't been able to ramp up quite that far yet. So um, if anybody out there is from one of those one of those parts of the world, uh, kind of outside, you know, like North and South America, um, hang in there. Like we are, we're doing our best to kind of identify mentors in those regions. And, to try to run cohorts in other parts of the world too
0: yeah that's great that you're trying to accommodate everyone and you know you mentioned that there's a long list of people waiting i think that's a good problem mm-hmm. to have um you, you know like you know that you're doing good for uh for people and that, they, that everyone's interested you know how often does a new cohort start uh you mentioned like projects are eight weeks are you doing one every week eight weeks or there's like a break in between
2: yeah we've been we've slowly kind of ramping that up so that we're Launching cohorts faster, so you know the first one we did, we didn't know how it was going to go, whether it was even going to work, and so that one we did the full eight weeks, and then started recruiting for the next cohort. Um, then for a while we were doing the, launching a new one every every six weeks, and we've just recently moved to launching one every four weeks. So I did I went on a little recruiting spree for mentors, um, and found a few people, got them trained up, and then now we're we're launching new cohorts with. Uh, someone who has mentored before, and then two new mentors, so that we have we can build up the pool of people who've been through a cohort and can start hopefully start to run um, even more. Uh, you know, maybe we're we get to launching every couple of weeks or something. Um, so yeah, we're we're trying to ramp it up because there is a lot of demand.
1: When you, you have these mentors, kind of like I guess leading or teaching these uh, cohorts, do you have any sort of cur- curriculum or guidelines um, that they kind of follow?
2: Yeah, to some extent, I mean, it's, um, we have a, like the main thing that people work from is we have a, you know, a project board in GitHub uh, with all the issues laid out in sort of order that they need to be completed in order to build the, the little app. And I can tell you more about the app if you want. But um, in addition to that, so they basically, you know, each pair, like I said, the, you know, the four people, they pair up each week, each pair takes one story off the board puts it in, in progress, they work on it, and it kind of goes through the whole, the whole flow. In addition to that, um, every other week we do um, a retro, but on the, op- the opposite weeks, we'll do what we call learning modules. So um, typically those are things like um, how to do a good code code review, like what's, what a code review is good for, like how to, how to do a good one, uh, how to pair program effectively. Um, accessibility is another topic that we've covered a couple of times. And we've had uh, we've had alumni from the program come in and talk about their transition into their first tech, their first development job as well. Um, so we try to, off, you know, every other week we're doing a learning module, and then on those opposite weeks we do a retro. So um, there is a a little bit of structure to it. I'm not the most structured person in the world, so like I've I've tried to give enough structure that that we can have a good experience. But in a lot of in a lot of respects, the the groups sort of they self organize. They kind of figure out how they want to work together and some of those things. Uh, to a certain extent so. and every group's different it's been really interesting
1: yeah I'm with you on the uh, non-structured thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so what's a typical day like I guess for one of your cohorts you mentioned kind of like those code reviews or mm-hmm. guess do they good do they could go like do a standup and um, then kind of do their work how does that kind of work
2: yeah so the time expectation for collab lab is only five hours a week so um, you know that there is a sort of a flow to the weeks that that tends to happen but uh it's not really dictated so you have to do this on this day except for that weekly call so um how it typically goes we have the weekly calls on usually on sunday afternoon um you know we do get through the demo the retro whatever and then we the the pairs split off with a mentor and they talk about the work for the upcoming week so they make a plan you know they create their branch they create maybe a draft pr they make sure they understand the acceptance criteria. Um, they kind of get, they get ready for the week. And then it's up to the pair at that point to schedule time to actually get together and uh, you know, on a synchronous call and do some pair programming. They can use the time in between those calls to, you know, maybe they need to, you know, study React hooks or, or some, um, you know, like get familiar with the Firebase documentation or something like that. So they might spend some of that time between calls doing that. what um, we try to encourage, and. Sometimes happens is that they get their PR submitted around Wednesday or Thursday, so that the other pair has time to review it. Um, then they can react to those changes, and then it's ready for to go to mentor review. They can have a day to react to those changes, and then the ideal is that it all gets merged into the production branch into master, you know, before the call on on Sunday, so they can be demoing off the production site.
0: Yeah. I think that's great, um, you know, giving them time to learn between pair programming and it's wonderful you know at my boot camp we would try to do two or three pair programming sessions a week and it helps so much just to understand and look at how other people um, solve problems mm-hmm. or break down problems you know what do you define like a good pair programmer pair mm-hmm. like like what skills are you looking for for a driver and a navigator? that's a great question yeah so um yeah the pair
2: programming it really is kind of the lifeblood of what we do like we you know there's when you when you have pair programming in a company like you might there's a lot, a lot of different dynamics you might have two senior people pairing and they, they're having a certain type of conversation you might have a senior and a junior person pairing in which case there's maybe more of a, a teaching relationship going on and then you might have two you know sort of early career people pairing and then it's a little bit more like do you know how to do this i don't know how to do this like what do we do like let's look let's look it up you know like all that stuff right so um, <laughs> Uh, like in, in our setting, it's, it's those two early career people. And so really it's like just being there to kind of, you know, there's a little, there's kind of a Venn diagram of like what people know. And so by pairing, you expand that, that sort of universe of what the, you know, what information is available to solve the problem. So, um, and just even having somebody there to talk to, you know, talk it through with a lot of times, you know, you kind of just figure things out faster. So, um you know, people who are just very open to the other person's ideas. Like, um, I like to say that, uh, you know, sometimes it's actually faster. You know, If you're having an argument about the approach to something, it's sometimes faster just to say, let's just do it your way. And then if it doesn't work, okay, now let's do it my way, <laughs> you know, instead of like spending half an hour <laughs> arguing about the approach. Right. So people who are low ego and can kind of just get in there and just like, you know, and kind of, a you know, growth mindset kind of, Learning-oriented, who can get in and just kind of teach each other and learn from each other um, in an open way is kind of the ideal, I think.
0: Definitely agree that that ego needs to be checked out before doing a pair mm-hmm. programming session. Yeah, for sure.
1: I guess in terms of the cohort, how would you define like overall success for a cohort?
2: Yeah, um, and I was asking some of the mentors about this uh, um, over the last couple of days, and um, it really, it really just comes down to did the people learn and improve? You know, like it's not whether or not they finish the project or the quality of the project necessarily. Um, so we've had, you know, varying levels of completeness and varying levels of sort of polish on the project and stuff. But what's most important to me is just to kind of watch the progression of the people in the, in the program. You know, if they're, um, it's actually really interesting because it's another aspect of this that we haven't talked about yet is that, uh, that the, the whole program is fully remote. Like we don't really get together and do this stuff in person. Right? So there's a, and, you know, I work at a fully distributed company as well. So like we're very, we're acutely aware of sort of what the skills are that you need to to um, sort of have success in that environment. Um, and most people come in they don't have a lot of that experience. Some people do, but uh, you know, you come in and, you know, there's kind of this progression that we see where, you know, four to six weeks in it sort of starts to click with people with the participants that they need to be just, you know, sort of oversharing in the Slack channels and, um, you know, just being really kind of noisy about, you know, and like documenting everything and all those kinds of things. So writing things down, um, you know, sharing status, may, way earlier than it feels like you should. And those are hard things to kind of get your head around at first, especially when you're early career and you're worried that people are going to think you're not like, oh, you're not good enough or something. Right. So, um, so it's really fun to watch. The, to me, a successful cohort is the people that like they get to the towards the end, you know, six to eight weeks in, and you see them gelling as a team and you see them kind of understanding what what their their pair the person in their pair needs what the rest of the team needs in order for the whole team to be successful like that's that's what i like to see towards uh the end of these projects
0: yeah, uh you know it's great that you help people uh improve on their communication skills you know what are some ways cloud lab like you or other mentors help the cohort mates uh you know deal with stress and um just getting a project done
2: yeah that's a good question um especially and this time, as we're recording, it's a pretty stressful time in the world. Um, and you know, we um, we really try to approach it just as a team, like make it as similar to a workplace as possible. So, you know, if, you know, if you're on a team at, at work and somebody's sick, or like something comes up, like they need to go, you know, like the, you know, or anyway, or they have vacation planned, even or something like that, like you figure out ways to work around it. And we've had those those kinds of things come up in I think every single cohort, you know, where. Um, I think the very first cohort there were two weekends when I wasn't available. And so it was just the four of them. And they like there was one person who had a little bit more experience and I just put her in charge and she kind of like kept things moving while I was away, you know. So we just figure it out. Um, but just making sure that people understand that, that that's okay and that, you know, that there is outside life happening. I mean, this is a, a two month commitment, so a lot can happen in that time. Um, so we're we're very understanding, you know, if there's a weekend when somebody can't make the call or or something. But just like on a team at work, what we need out from that person is to be very clear about, Oh, you know what? I'm not, I'm too busy this week to, to get my stuff done. You know, I'm sorry, but is there someone who can kind of pick it up for me? And maybe one of the mentors jumps in and helps kind of move the thing across the line or whatever. But you know, that's, that's part of being a good teammate, right? Is like kind of surfacing those things early and like uh, keeping everyone sort of appraised of the status and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so we just try to be supportive and, and treat it like a, you know, a real team of people, because that's what it is, a real team of people. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, can you share with us, like, any success statistics um, based on the cohort, like folks who have gone on to find jobs or gone uh, on to full-time development afterwards?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've had, I think, at least three people who got their first uh, their first developer job during their cohort. Um, which is, which is, wow. great. I mean, it's, and in each case, they cited their, their collab lab experience as making it way easier for them to be able to talk about this stuff in an interview setting. So, you know, you think about, you know, you go through a boot camp or you're, especially if you're like just studying on your own, you know, if you're like doing this kind of online courses and stuff, you may not have ever had to say some of those, these words out loud, <laughs> you know? And so you get into an interview and you're like, uh, I don't know. I've never pronounced that word before, you know, some of those kinds of things. But if you're pair programming, you're talking to someone, you know, you're kind of having, you're, you know, you're building up those pathways to be able to pull that stuff out in an interview setting. So um, yeah, all three of those people said that it was a huge help. Um, so we've had, we actually have had, I, was, I went back and looked through everybody's LinkedIn this morning and actually to the point where I got like kind of locked out of LinkedIn for a little bit. I don't know if they have some algorithm <laughs> or if you click too many links. Too fast or something. Anyway, um, and we actually have, we've had a surprising number of people who are already developers participate as well. So it's not just like bootcamp people, but like um, probably an average of at least one person out of each four-person cohort already was working as a developer. So that's to me pretty interesting. Like like in the current cohort that's going on, uh, there's somebody who, you know, she's been a developer for a couple of years, but she is the only technical person at her company. And so for her, she wanted to like understand I mean, everyone talks about GitHub and pull requests and stuff, but I don't. You know, she's never done it because she hasn't had to. She's just like committing code and pushing it to the server, you know. So understanding a little bit more about how teams work, um, you know, that kind of applies to a surprising number of people, I guess. Yeah, there is kind of a baseline of technical skills that we ask for um, because you know we're not really in the business of teaching coding itself, right? So, uh, but it's Mm -hmm. it's a pretty low bar. It's like you know, if I go to your GitHub and I see a couple of React. You know react projects that are more than just the boilerplate <laughs> you know and um, then uh that's probably that's probably good enough like it's uh you, you know you should be comfortable with the tools so um you know git and npm and those kinds of things uh you know if you are f- sort of familiar with react or or Vue or angular or some similar framework you know you could probably and you're willing to you know, especially if you haven't done React and you're willing to kind of put in a little bit of extra time and keep your know, keep up with, uh, you know, like do some self study outside of the five hours, then that's that's probably enough. You know, like you need to be comfortable with JavaScript. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's actually it's been interesting that to see because people who are even working as professional developers, if they, you know, if they're a couple years in, they're still learning stuff. All you know, through the cohort on the technical side as well as the collaboration side. Because, you know, we have very experienced mentors, like people who have been doing this for a long time and um, other engineering managers like myself and stuff. So, you know, it's a chance as a developer to even like to get some really good feedback on just kind of how to to collaborate better with people.
1: Nice, yeah. I remember when I was um, first checking out the website for the Collab Lab, um, I saw there was like a project like building a progressive web app. Is that kind of like the project that everyone does?
2: <clears throat> yeah, everyone's doing that same project for now. Like, a, I have a goal. It's not my top goal for the year, but one of my goals for the year is to maybe get a second and third project type that we could offer. Um, but for now, everybody does the same thing, and that kind of keeps it keeps it simple on the administrative side. You know, we can and you know, we have a thing that just generates a project board and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's so it's basically it's a create React app. Um, Firebase, you know, Firestore is the, the database and Netlify is the deploy. I mean, it's like, it's literally about that simple. There's not much else to it, but um, it's nice because the, the tool set, you know, it's all very well-documented, well-supported tools. And it means that we can, we don't have to, you know, we're not fiddling with the technology itself. We're really focusing on these kind of uh, the catalytic skills that we, that we try to teach.
0: Uh, I forget where I read this as someone who mentioned that uh, every time they're trying to pick up a new language, they just build the same project over and over in the new tech stack. And I know before we even started this podcast, you were mentioning how you do that too. Like um, you had a project in mind, and that's what led you to passing this project on to the cohorts at Collab mm-hmm. Lab. You know, um, what are some things you've learned from having, or watching other people like do your projects over oh my and over? Gosh,
2: that's a great question. It's actually been really funny because I. I created all the all the stories you know so for based on you know I just like took like how I built the project and like basically wrote stories out sort of in a rough order of what I thought and it's been it's been a very fascinating and kind of humbling experience to watch each cohort struggle with these stories and like this is not clear at all or they'll do something that's like oh I didn't even think of that but yeah I can see how you'd get that from the way I wrote the story and stuff so um, it's been, <laughs> it's been We've had some uh, some little detours along the way because of that. So each time we try to, you know, we notice something where people got confused or something, we try to go back to the stories and just make them a little more clear and stuff. But uh, um, that's been the biggest thing, I guess. Um, it's, it's, it is really interesting just to watch. Uh, like there was actually one one very specific thing. So the, the app itself is this kind of smart shopping list app. And the idea is that as you as you make purchases, like as you make repeat purchases especially, it starts to learn sort of the interval at which you buy different things and so like say you buy eggs every two weeks right oh, wow. so um you know one week it's 12 days but another week it's 16 days or whatever like it figures out that 14 days approximately is when you're going to buy eggs and so what it does is as you get closer to that that next purchase date it uh, moves that item to the top of the list so that's the basic theory of the of the app well there was um you know the way, when i built it myself. Um, I, you know, I counted when you added the item as the first purchase. Like I was thinking like you'd be in the store, um, you know, you'd say like, Oh, I'm going to get ramen or something. And like put ramen in the thing and that's your first purchase. Every cohort has wanted, wanted it to not work like that. I'm like, Oh yeah. So you want to make a list ahead of time. And then as you actually make the purchases, just mark, like, you know, hit a button that says it was purchased. Like, Oh, okay. That that makes a lot more
0: sense. All right. I can, I can see how both Mm -hmm. ways work. Right.
2: So. But yeah it's just fascinating you know um and there were yeah it's, it's been fun to kind of watch the, the people take the you know the the project itself and the, the requirements and stuff and interpret them and come up with things that are mostly the same but like have some some real variation to them
1: one of the things that really drew us to the Cloud lab um to bring you here onto the show um when i was reading through the website again i saw um that you mentioned um the Club Live is aiming to kind of bridge the gap for women and uh, underrepresented uh, minorities in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to know, I guess, what are some steps you've taken in pursuing that goal?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because I mean, I'm a white guy, so, you know, I'm, and I've been doing this tech stuff for a long time, and I've been paying attention to diversity issues for a while. And I um, I just realized, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times, like, you've, like, something gets started, and if the first few people are, you know, if they're, they're too similar, then, like you kind of get this momentum, right? And like you, it's really hard to break out of that after the fact. So you see a lot of startups where it's, you know, four friends may do a startup, but they're all, maybe they're all white guys in San Francisco or something. Right. And so like pretty soon it's 16 white guys and then it's like 32, mostly white guys. And it's like hard to then steer the ship over to, to being a truly diverse and inclusive kind of place. So, um, yeah, right off the bat, uh, I mean, the very first cohort, and it's been true for every cohort. Um, we uh, they're structured so it's one man and three women, or three non-male presenting, like wherever you fall on the on the gender spectrum. So, um, and that's been that's been kind of a core thing we've continued throughout. So, it's probably a little frustrating for the men who've applied because it's taking them longer to get into the program, but um, it also like one of you know. Tech can be not always, but it can be kind of a hostile place for women. And it's like there's, there the attrition rates for, for women That's true. are much higher. Um, it's harder for them to get jobs or to kind of get, um, you know, to be seen as being as technical as, as men. Those kinds of things, right? So, one of the reasons that, you know, if you think about a cohort of four people when you're doing pair programming, um, if it's if it's 50-50, two men and two women, then women are having to pair with men two-thirds of the time. If it's three women and one man um you're pairing with women the majority of the time like the man is always pairing with a woman which is probably you know for some people it might be a good learning experience for them um but the women are you know most of the time also getting to pair with other women and it's like having just you know again it's all around trying to make this like a a safe place to experiment and just like try and not not be judged for you know identity stuff but just be there to do the work you know so um So that's been one thing, um, we've, you know, wherever we can, I mean, you don't, we don't always know the race of people uh, when they're coming into the program, but, um, you know, we've been, um, pretty good about getting people of all kinds of races, uh, you know, um, in cohorts, we had a, we had a race that was, or a cohort that was three black women in it. And that was great because I felt like for them, they could just relax and just like be themselves not be the one person who kind of stands out right. and that kind of thing. Like it was, um, uh, it was actually a really fun cohort as well. So, um, you know, we have a code of conduct that we take seriously. We've had, we have three, a responder team of three people who have all been through training, um, uh, like really good training on, we did a GoFundMe to kind of pay for some, some training for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we were intentional about and take very seriously.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, you just mentioned GoFundMe right now, and Collab Lab is, uh, for those who don't know, is free, and it's run by volunteers. So, you know, What are some ways people can help Collab Lab and uh, help you know the cohorts as well? Yeah, um,
2: I mean, right now we have, um, we're not quite yet uh, an official 501c3, so we have applied for that status, and we're kind of waiting for that to come through. It's going to be a little easier to help us once that happens. Um, so hopefully that comes through in the next couple of months uh, takes a while. And it probably with the current situation, it might take a little longer than normal, but um, for now, what we have is I have my, I have personally have a GitHub sponsors page um, up so people can, you know, they can sign up to uh, donate, you know, four, eight, sixteen $16 a month, whatever it is. Um, and that helps offset all kinds of costs. So like we pay for a pro zoom account so we can um, have good high quality calls that we can record longer than 40 minutes um, we uh, right. you know we're on this on the free slack plan for the moment but like once we get nonprofit status we'll we'll be able to open that up um, with more features we don't have a lot of costs to be honest like the the training was our, our probably our biggest single expense the ProZoom account and then we have a g Suite account that so um, you know that's a few dollars a month for each of the people that are in that but um, beyond just financially uh, you know just kind of You know, amplifying our message too. Like, so we're on Twitter um, at underscore collab underscore lab, just because those are common words and they were all the better usernames were taken. (laughs) So, um, but uh, anyway, maybe we can throw a link up on the site um, after this. But um, yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, retweeting us or just kind of helping us find both mentors and participants. I mean, we have a long list of people, but like I said, we're, you know, trying to scale up and trying to expand into other regions and stuff too. So, um, yeah. And just, uh, oh, I guess actually the the biggest single thing would be also to hire the, the people who, the alumni, the people who go through the program, you know, a lot of them either have jobs or find jobs, but a lot of them are still looking for their, that first kind of tech job. So um, I write a recap. I've started writing a recap of each uh, cohort as it ends and kind of talking a little bit about what made that one unique. Um, and just, you know, so as more kind of, portfolio material for people to be able to point to for hiring managers and stuff. But yeah, the whole point is to get people bootstrapped into that first job. You get that first job and you get that second job. By the time you have had that second job in tech, you're kind of set, like you don't have to worry too much about it. At that point, recruiters are coming to you, but until you have that, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a tough thing to break into, you know?
1: For anyone listening, we'll definitely be sharing those links out in the show notes. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, um, Yeah, folks kind of like after, you know, are still looking for, you know, some jobs um, and you write up that, uh, I guess, reflection on uh, the cohort, Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, what's um, the level of um, involvement with mentees sort of like after the cohort's done?
2: Yeah, that's a great question too. And we we really do want Collab Lab to become a community, right? We want all these people to sort of stick together and and support each other uh, through their careers. And we've seen a bit of that. We um, actually we probably maybe because I'm in Portland, Oregon, so this where my network is, and so probably about half the people who've gone through it are here in Portland. So um, one of our board members, uh, Stacy, she was up, she came up from Sacramento, and so we got everybody together and we all went out for dinner and stuff and uh, kind of had, had a had a great time, just kind of for uh, in most cases meeting each other in person for the first time. Um, but a lot of people they'll stay active in, in Slack and kind of um, we have a a channel learning together, where people will post, you know, articles that they found, or they'll ask questions about things they're trying to get done. Um, and then we have a, we started to kind of put together committees to uh, where people can stay involved. So we have a website committee, so you know, people who've kind of been through the program can help us sort of uh, with the next iteration of the website and stuff. So we're trying to find different creative ways to get people to be able to stick around and keep on, um, you know, stay engaged and mostly to support each other as they, as they're you know trying to. Kind of get their foothold
0: in tech. So, now, what are some advice that you have for people looking to break into tech? Uh, you know, be it just bootcamp grads <laughs> or career switchers or even college students.
2: Yeah, super good question. Um, yeah, it's a it is tough. I mean, the thing that you know, I think it was Steve Martin who said that, um, like, be so good that they can't ignore you. Like that was his advice when he was like for someone to try and like break into comedy or something um and i mean I, I think there's something to that like the the thing is like the main thing is to just get really good at at your craft you know so um it's a lot like learning any other language or learning an instrument or something if you're doing it every day you know you're it's really a process of rewiring your your brain to do this thing that there's no reason why your brain should be able to do this thing but like as humans we can kind of like teach it to right so um, so daily practice like just getting in and doing some code or at least like reading some code every single day Um, and then you know if you're trying to break in like you've kind of got a base of skills like you you need to show hiring managers what you can do and it's not only sort of what you're what you can accomplish it's because a lot of times you know when you're early in your career you have big gaps in your knowledge, right? Like you, you know, you maybe have done a couple of things and you've gotten kind of good at them, but tech is such a big, a big thing. Like, you know, you never know, like the company you go into, there may be, they may need you to do something totally different. And in that case, what's more important is how fast you're learning. So, you know, if you can and what your process is and those kinds of things, like you're, you know, if you can show that you have some structure around how you, how you ramp up on a new uh, framework as an example. So, um, one of the things that we also encourage is for people just to be to be writing about, um, you know, about tech, and it's it's pretty intimidating to get started with that. You know, if you're early career, you think like, oh, nobody knew, nobody cares what I think about this thing, but it's it's not really the point. Like the point is, um, it's kind of twofold. One, by writing it out, you're forced to explore some of the nooks and crannies that you might have glossed over when you were sort of studying it, right? So you actually end up learning it better if you're trying to explain it to somebody else. And the, the other kind of side effect of that is that you build up this sort of um, this corpus or something that you can show to employers. You know, here's when I was learning React, like here's how I went about it. And, you know, here are the things that I learned. And, you know, here's where I made mistakes. And but here's how I recovered from the mistakes. Like all that stuff, like you kind of build up, you know, this thing that people can look at. Um, so, you know, kind of doing that stuff in public, I would encourage people honestly to get on Twitter and connect with other Early career people, uh, you know, we've we have we've had some people through the through Collab Lab who um, they're super active in Twitter and they get so much support from each other and they they can ask a question and you know get a bunch of you know kind of pointers of like oh this is a good website or a good a good blog article or something to read on that topic or whatever. But you kind of get involved in a community and you kind of it's just um it's good for motivation if not you know if, if nothing else right like you have a group of people that are also going through this thing with you and can kind of help each other uh, just stay motivated and lift each other up. So um, it's a, the, the numbers are hard. Like I know like in Portland um, there's a junior developer meetup here that has about 2000 people in it or something. Um, Not all, they don't all show up for every meetup, but there's a, it has a big list of attendees or a big list of uh, kind of membership list. And it's not that big of a market for jobs, you know, like at any one time you might find five or six jobs that are explicitly um, labeled you know, for junior developers in the whole city. So it's tough, right? But, um, you know, I would encourage people to stick with it. I would encourage people to be creative about what kind of role they're willing to take. So, you know, if there's a, sometimes technical support roles can be pretty technical and they can also be a foot in the door to, you know, kind of take on, like to continue learning at least. Like um, I know New Relic here in in Portland has uh, a program called Ignite where they take, you know, cohorts of four coincidentally but, you know, kind of early career people and they have them do rotations through product teams. And, you know, if you are if you get into new relic as a, like a tech support person, like you're supporting a very technical product, you're around a bunch of engineers so that you have people that you can learn from. So, you know, or if you're like doing a uh, QA engineering or, you know, there's different roles that you can do that aren't necessarily, you know, software engineer, that'll help you just be around it, you know, be in the industry and then, you know, you keep ramping up and then eventually, you know, um, hopefully you find that that first sort of pure programming role.
1: That advice is really awesome. Um, one thing that I think that really resonated with me was the whole like, kind of learning in public and just kind of like writing about things and um, whatever you're learning, just kind of like putting it out there. Um, when I was first looking for my first developer job, I decided to just submit uh, to like, local meetups and conferences and just see what happens Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and a couple of people actually wanted me to come in and talk and I did some like live coding I don't know what possessed me to do that but I did some live coding um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, talks for like one of my it was like my second talk ever Uh, completely screwed it up it didn't work out the way I wanted it to but even like afterwards um, at the end people still came up and we're just like still asking me questions about um technology i was you know demonstrating mm-hmm. and still trying to learn and it just kind of like goes to show you like even when you're like messing up or you feel like you're messing up other people might not see it that way and they they might still um you know get something from that mm-hmm. and it also you know helps you out then you know what you did wrong this time and do it better next time so I think yeah, that's definitely really good advice. Um, You also get like a whole bunch of feedback from people Mm -hmm. um, when you're doing this stuff in public, and just pick up on things that you might not have thought
2: about before. Yeah, for sure, and I love that that you were brave enough to kind of get up there and just the live code like that. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know, uh, I don't know that I've ever done that. I mean, it's um, that's pretty brave of you. But yeah, you're right. Like, the the thing that like especially as an early career person, like blogging about it, presenting about it, those kinds of things. Like if you're if you're another early career person and you're there watching it, like you're going to have a connection with them. They're they're going through the sort of the same thing. Like they're you're having these realizations as you go, and just sharing those things is super valuable. Like for me, I've been doing this stuff for twenty years, and so it's hard, a little hard for me to relate to someone who's just learning some things for the first time. You know, like like oh yeah, not everybody knows that. I forgot, right? But you know, if you're in that same space, like of course nobody knows you know what this thing is i don't know i can't think of a good example but you know what i mean like it's um so i, I think it's there's a ton of value in that um both for i mean mostly for your own learning but um it, you know also just for making connections to people and, um it's kind of getting seen as a as an expert on things i mean it's um or if nothing else just to show that you're brave enough to get up and talk in front of people
1: <laughs> definitely awesome so we usually like to wrap up our episodes with like a small catch-up session. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you up to outside of work, outside of the Cloud Lab?
2: Yeah, it's a weird time. You can't really go outside at the moment. <laughs> We're all kind of locked down here in Portland. But um, <laughs> uh, there are a couple other things that I am involved in. I, um, I help coordinate a, a tech leadership meetup here in Portland. Um, just, I mean, it's that's not a big commitment, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a good way to stay connected with other of um, software people here. Um, and then I also volunteer for an organization here called Pueblo Unido. And Pueblo Unido uh, is an organization that helps people get out of detention from ICE. So um, there's, you know, it's, it actually isn't illegal to be here in an undocumented status. I don't know if people know that. But people get still get thrown in detention. It's not called jail, but it's called detention. Um, usually if they have, you know, say like, you know, you're here un, undocumented and you get a DUI or something, like they'll throw you in this detention where it's kind of like you may stay there for years. Um, so Pueblo Unido actually helps raise money to give those people uh, legal representation and to kind of actually be able to exercise their rights. Because, um, you know, can you can imagine if you're, if you're here, you know, have great language skills and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it can be a pretty scary experience and you're not, not sure how to navigate all that. So, um probably need to actually has sort of the state of Oregon contract for um, what we call it like navigation services for, for uh, people in this, uh, that category. So um, I'm on the tech, the tech committee for that group. Um, besides that, you know, I just uh, have a lot more time at the moment to just like play guitar and stuff like that because um, you know, can't do the normal, like go out to bars and restaurants in the evenings kind of thing. So hopefully uh, this all pulls over soon and everyone's, everyone's all right.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Tech for Humans. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. You can tweet us at techforhumans.io or listen to all of our episodes at techforhumans.io. That's tech, the number four, humans.io. Episodes are available on all major podcast platforms.